Welcome back to Finessing Your Finances with Baruch Lubinsky on JewishCoffeeHouse.com. I'm Scott Kahn. Last time we talked about the sandwich generation, people taking care of their parents as well as their kids. We're moving now earlier in the life cycle. I want to talk today a little bit about newlyweds. And my son has a friend who's already married. My nephew living in New York now has his first friends who are getting married to each other. It seems that at least here in Ramat Beit Shemesh, people are getting married younger than when I was growing up. Of course, outside of Israel and outside of a religious community like this, people are sometimes getting married older. But specifically with younger kids getting married, these are kids who, whatever their level of maturity, clearly don't know that much about financial planning. They just can't. That's not what they're learning in high school in 11th and 12th grade. So Baruch, what would you say to a parent whose child is getting married or preparing to get married in terms of preparing for their financial future as newlyweds? The first thing I would probably discuss with parents is not just thinking about this when your kid's about to get married, but really preparing the ground. I think we had an earlier episode talking about education for your children and really preparing the ground much before so that you're really giving your kids financial tools as they're growing up teaching them about finances so that it's not a shock to them when they come to that wedding day and they have to start managing their own finances. and, and You know, Baruch, it seems that a common denominator of your advice is prepare early. Well, financial planners, for better or for worse, uh, that that is built into the profession. <laughs> it is very true. There's a, definitely a focus on helping people to think through issues and to really prepare. To get ready for the future earlier than they're planning on doing so otherwise. Correct. And when we're talking about newlyweds, it really is a completely new situation for newlyweds because they have been coddled from the time they were, were young. They had no real responsibility. Many kids get married young, and they really haven't had a job. They haven't had to support themselves. They haven't put themselves through school. And now they're really facing a whole new financial reality. Even though a lot of parents will continue to support their children during the first period of time. It's, it varies in communities, obviously. There are some communities where there's an expectation to support a family for many years, which can be a tremendous strain financially on the, on the parents, especially when you're marrying off not just one, but maybe it could be multiple children over a number of years. But even if they are getting help from their parents, there's still a certain basic financial responsibility that they have to learn. They well, have. how do you start that preparation early? How do you start preparing your child for being financially independent once he's married? I would introduce them to the concept of budgeting and to keeping track of what they're spending and what their income is. On the one hand, you have a, an outflow of expenses that if people do not keep track of, will just grow and grow and grow and people can lose control. I've had situations where parents have sent me their children after a year or two of being married and they've already created tens of thousands of shekels of debt and they have no clue of what's going on financially and you have to kind of take them back a step and you have to teach them the basics. Whatever you earn is what you can spend. That's just a basic rule of of balancing a budget. Well, you know, I'm not justifying this, but here in Israel, living in minus is an accepted part of life, which means you're actually spending more than you earn. Correct. And I don't think it's unique here in Israel. There's a tremendous amount of credit card debt in the United States, which means people, they're also living in minus. They're also living off of debt. They're taking loans in order to cover current expenditures, even though they don't have enough income. But even with that, there still has to be a basic recognition that what comes in can go out 
and what I don't have available, I can't spend. And sometimes when, when a newlywed is given a certain lump sum of money and they have wedding gifts and they have a certain amount of money that's available, whether it's an ongoing payments, support from one's parents, or whether it is a larger sum of money that was given to them as a gift, they don't really have a conception of, well, how much can I really afford to spend right now? And, and therefore, you have to introduce them to this concept of a balanced budget, keeping track, keeping track and understanding and then judging and deciding on your priorities based on what you can afford. Well, here in Israel, where especially with young married couples, very often the husband will be in the army and the wife may still be in school. This essentially means they're making essentially nothing. How can they start this process when they're not bringing in any money? They're by definition going to go into debt. So you're asking how can all these young kids get married? Well, yeah, in different terms. <laughs> with, without any source of income whatsoever and no projection of income for the next two or three or four years. To put it gently. Yeah, it, it's not so simple. Again, families have to make those decisions in terms of when they want their kids to start dating. Sometimes they aren't given that decision and the kids will decide for themselves. Parents have to be supportive. They don't have to be supportive. They they oftentimes will be supportive and will commit to helping them. But kids can also do a lot towards helping themselves as well, whether it's part-time jobs. Even if they're in school or even if they're in the army, there's a basic amount of money that they are earning. People who are married who are in the army will get a certain a higher stipend from the army. They might have to use their savings. A tool that I recommend, it doesn't have to be a complicated tool, but something that is highly recommended is to keep a spreadsheet where you know how much your total assets are and then what's happening on a month-to-month -month basis. When somebody's starting off, it's not complicated. They might only have you know, a dozen different types of expenses. And then they have income coming from one or two sources, but they can track on a monthly basis, this is what happened, and this is how much my deficit or or surplus was this month, and this is how much I therefore still have at the end of the month of my savings. And it could be that at the beginning, they need to plan to have their savings last them for a certain amount of time so they can go through school and then eventually can start earning enough money to balance the budget themselves. But having that basic conception, if I have, let's say it's, you know, it's a very common thing, let's say here in Israel, that a young couple will come away with 50,000, 60,000 shekels in savings from a wedding. That's a very common sum. So you might have that sum. You might have some savings from, from when they were a kid that parents are giving them, and then they now have to budget over the next two or three or four years. And so how long is that money going to last you? Well, you have to look at how much is coming in from that source, from your parents, what's going out. Can I afford to buy or can I afford to rent more likely an apartment, a larger apartment, a smaller apartment? Can I afford a car? Kids are faced with these decisions all the time. Your parents have a car. Sometimes they might have two cars. Well, why can't I buy a car too? But they don't realize that a car can add an extra thousand or two thousand shekels to their monthly expenses, and they just don't have that cash flow to be able to do that. So they're going to have to make those decisions. But if they see it black on white and they can track it, it'll be easier for them to immediately recognize where the issue is and then to make the changes as opposed to letting get out of hand and, and spiraling and then having to take out loans in order to cover those deficits. Now, when parents are helping their kids and they're actively giving them money, do you think there should be strings attached to say, this money is for groceries? You never know. When you're dealing with a 19-year-old, perhaps he's immature, perhaps she's immature, and you give them some money and they go out and they buy a car when they're having a hard time paying their electric bill. Do you think parents should be involved in that kind of decision? 
Well, so it is a uh, personal question today as well, Scott, because I'm sure, he's, as you know, I, I married off my daughter not that long ago as well. And, and it is an issue when you're, when you're helping your child. Are you going to give money unconditionally or are you going to put some strings on it? Sometimes it really depends on the personalities involved. I think that generally, if you really want to teach your kids independence, you can't put strings on them. You can't try to control them. You have to give them the tools to be able to make those decisions. And at times it means just closing your eyes and not agreeing with everything they do and where they're putting their money and just saying, that's their decision. I'm giving a certain amount of money because I want to help them. And you can also change that. It's your right at, at any point in time. But to even say, not putting strings attached also means you can still, it doesn't preclude educating them and saying. No, of course not. The education is possible, but it's only truly possible when there is a willingness on the other side to be educated. If a parent is giving money and, and is constantly offering unsolicited advice, and so that doesn't create a really healthy dynamic for uh, a young couple to be feeling that all the time their parents are are making value judgments on their spending and are giving all this like critical advice. I got some advice from somebody in recent uh, years that when your children get married, you basically just have to put this like big piece of tape over <laughs> your mouth. And whenever you feel like you wanna give advice, just have to like that tape know, should be there put the tape on and smile and uh, that's not to say that that you can't give advice in certain circumstances when a child really comes and they want to know things they're really asking for advice so then of course you should share it but it shouldn't be an unsolicited and i think people have to be very careful about putting too much strings on uh, attached to the support on the other hand as you said education is very important and kids will very often not know the very simple things like paying bills how to make sure that the water doesn't get turned off simply because it's not something they've ever dealt with before that's why relationships are really so important is, is having that kind of a relationship with your children so that they should feel comfortable enough to call you up and to ask you the questions about what's happening and how do i do this and we get phone calls all the time about like you know in the supermarket and and how do we do this and and what's the issue here and we're planning this and mm -hmm. And that's what you have to encourage, encourage them to call, to inquire, to be able to ask those questions, but with not feeling like you're breathing down their back. Are there different challenges that newlyweds in the United States or outside of Israel in general have that would not apply in Israel or vice versa? I think it depends on the community that you're in, but I think that there's probably a, a higher expectation among young couples in the United States to be more self-sufficient earlier. Mm -hmm. I think there's a definitely within the general society as a whole, parents sometimes will put aside money for education. The assumption is as soon as I'm put that money aside and the kids have a certain amount for university, that's it. I'm not supporting my child at all. And I think that there's probably a certain runoff even into the, the Jewish community in, in North America as well, where there's expectations. Job markets, employment opportunities can still, with the proper education, pay very nice salaries and probably they have to get on their feet a little bit quicker. I think uh, because of the society here in Israel where salaries are much lower for starting jobs, and it takes kids sometimes a lot longer to get that basic experience and, and their education for that matter because of the army. Well, they start three years start, later because of the army. Starting, so. Or because they're learning and they're not going to be like educated until sometimes they're, they're mid-20s at least. So then, yeah, it can take longer and parents probably have to take more time to, to help them. So the challenges would be in the U.S. that they have more pressure to get a running start to be able to get that job. And, so, and that's why I think a lot of young kids, at least I've heard from, from my Rosh Hashivas and from 
some people in the education field that that younger students in their 20s are feeling more pressure to get out to get a job immediately and not to spend as much time learning and coming to Israel. Another point that newlyweds need to remember as well is that you don't necessarily have to go out and get a job that's a nine to five job and work you know, long hours in order to, to earn a, a full salary in order to help yourself. Sometimes you can do little tiny creative things to get by, whether it's working part time and helping to do some entrepreneurial work. Right? I have a family member who's involved in helping to set up you know, weddings and bands and making connections and makes a little bit of money here. You know, the holiday cycle in this country, people are off. In the Shiva world, they're off during Nissan, they're off during Tishrei, and there's a time when people are selling, they are Baminim, and there are op- entrepreneurial opportunities out there for people to make a little bit of money to really help themselves during those periods. Creative methodology. Exactly. Creative, entrepreneurial opportunities. And, and it could be even as simple as saying that as a young couple, I'm going to be involved in babysitting. Instead of spending our evenings at our own house, we're going to actually go out and babysit a couple nights a week and earn some money. You can earn very nice money. There are young couples out there that are staying with, with families, sometimes as babysitters for a week or two when parents go away, and they can earn- Bring some money home. Make some money. So it's not a binary issue where it's either you have a job or you don't. There could Correct. be things in the middle. It's much more creative. It's much more fluid. And there are more opportunities out there if you really have your eyes open. And kids have to be taught that, that it isn't binary. It isn't all or nothing. We're almost out of time, but let me ask you one last question, which always- bothered me. I'm not sure the answer for this. Maybe you can help me. What do you think about the small things? For example, let's say someone were to say, I'm not going to buy disposable aluminum pans because that costs more money than whatever the other option might be, even though it requires more washing and drying and so on and so forth. Now, on the one hand, that's a very admirable thing. On the other hand, one might say, yeah, but even if you don't buy any disposable aluminum pants, you're making your life more difficult, and the amount you're going to save in the long run is really negligible, so don't bother. What do you do about those small expenses? Do you think it's really about paying attention to the big things, or paying attention to the small things is also very important, especially for newlywed who's trying to figure out how to get by in the world? You can't ignore the small things. Small things when they are in multiples, because it's not just one small decision that you're making on a monthly basis or a daily basis. It's hundreds of those small little decisions. I I think I saw an article once or a a survey about how much people are paying in the United States for coffees, for like Starbucks coffees, and they actually, if you add it up, it can be thousands of dollars a year. Really? Because if you buy a coffee every day, and it's a, I don't know, it's a latte, and it's a $10 coffee, and you just, oh, it's just a little thing. It's only $10 or something. Again, here in Israel, it might be that five shekel or that 10 shekels that you're giving or you're spending you know, on something, it does add up because there are lots of those decisions. So first of all, you can't ignore those small decisions. You do have to pay attention. And there's a cost-benefit analysis that, that every individual has to make. I don't know about the foil pans, whether it's it's worthwhile or it's not in your individual case. But I'll try to give away my domestic secrets right. over here. It is important to focus on the little things. But I'll tell you, in my mind, that's not the critical element. People have to have in mind at the beginning of the month what's important on the big picture in terms of setting priorities, making decisions about where they're living, how their transportation expenses. The big decisions that we make that are like those one-time decisions are going to have a tremendous impact on our budget. And so we have to have in mind the end from the beginning. We have to be really thinking through 
how much we can really afford. And then everything flows from that. And so it's really, it's taking that step back. Yes, the implementation is important. I once had somebody like write me this whole like long email where they had, and they had posted, like they had all these questions like about budgeting. And some people had suggested, oh, you know, you need to you know, save money by only taking a tiny little bit of toothpaste and you only need to do this. And they were just very so frustrated with all this like little micro advice. And what I told them is you can't ignore the micro advice that can be used as part of the implementation strategy, but it's much more important to take that step back at the beginning and make more fundamental decisions. Where I'm living, what is the standard of living going to be, and who am I chasing after? The Joneses over here or over there? And depending on the community you live in and the society around you, it is going to change and it is going to impact on you because if people are driving cars and living in big houses, your kids are also going to feel that pressure and you're going to feel that pressure and it'll be much more difficult to live in a certain lifestyle. And if you choose another community to live in, so then you will have more flexibility to keep your budget within a certain framework. So I, I'm convinced more of the bigger pictures is more important than the micro. So aluminum pans should not be the top item on your budgeting agenda. It shouldn't be the center of your discussions. Okay. No. I'll make sure to take note of that. Baruch, if someone wants to get in touch with you, how do they reach you? Best way is through our website, which is www.labinsky.com or the office number is 972-2991-0029. And Baruch is also the author of A Financial Guide to Aliyah and Life in Israel, available from Mosaic Press. Baruch, thank you very much again for joining me this week. A pleasure, as usual. This is Finessing Your Finances with Baruch Lubinsky. I'm Scott Kahn, and you're listening to jewishcoffeehouse.com. Make sure to subscribe to this and other great podcasts by going to jewishcoffeehouse.com.